0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. So we're kind of picking right back up where we left off on yesterday's show. You guys heard what I was doing there. I uh, did a very long show, and then now I'm inserting some pieces in between to create the illusion that the show was actually two separate ones. But it wasn't, and that is the magic of audio editing. Uh, With that in mind, welcome to the Thursday edition now of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Yesterday, we got as far as the first 11... I know, I know, we're not really quite moving as fast as we thought we would. But you know what? Who gives a crap? This is probably the most important stuff we're going to do until we get into mock drafts, and those are not that far around the corner. And then it's real draft time. So, yeah, I'm going to take my sweet little time with the Dan Vesper's rank board and the buckets, and we're going to take Yahoo's ADP numbers when those first come out, probably in a week or two and we are going to adjust our buckets when they do. If you missed either show so far this week, I would plead with you to please listen to them in order, not in reverse chronological order here. Please don't listen to this one and then go backwards because some of the stuff we talked about on Monday, uh, not Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, see, I can get my days right. Some of the stuff we talked about on Tuesday and Wednesday is critically important to understand what we're going to be continuing to talk about Today, Notably, why even do the bucket method? I'm not going to repeat myself on that front. I think between Tuesday's methodology segment and Wednesday's segment on how the bucket method can allow you to be prepared in a a uh, superior manner to almost all of your competitors. If you're in a whole bunch of leagues, it has this adaptability element that again, we talked about on yesterday's podcast. These are things I want you guys listening to before you hear more on today's show. So please go back, listen to Tuesday and Wednesday episodes of the podcast. And if you want to skip over the part where I actually talk about the players on Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm fine with that because what I'll do now as we kind of dive back into this the second half of, uh, of yesterday's discussion, and don't worry, there'll be more. I just, you know, I had like an hour and a half straight that I thought, well, do do a long podcast and then break it into two chunks. I'll repeat, because we're only 11 players deep. I'll just repeat the 11 players. I'm not going to do this every single time we pick up a new show. I'm not going to go through the whole list. But suffice it to say, I will show you guys my buckets when all is said and done. Not yet. Because we don't have the public perception data, I will have the Dan Vespers old man squad, which make like make no mistake that comes from these lists. We can see the players from a qualitative standpoint when you're just looking at the individual teams, or even looking at last year's end of season fantasy data. Like you can look and see that Mikael Bridges is likely to be an Old Man Squad member, but we don't know for sure until public data comes out. That is what creates the Old Man Squad. I can guess, and I've gotten pretty good at guessing over the last 10 to 15 years, when I see someone, a particular fantasy player, basically the Tobias Harrises of the world, the Mikhail Bridgeses of the world, who... On the Tobias front, yeah, he scores a fair amount, which normally draws some attention, but rebound's fine, doesn't really pass much. Eh, Defensive stats are okay, but not very good. But just quietly above average in every statistical category, except for like one or two. Great percentages, nobody pays attention to those. Bridges is the same kind of thing. You show me a guy who's good in both percentages, and I'll show you a number bigger than 50 that tells you the percent chance that guy's probably going to be overlooked. You know who's not? First-rounders with good percentages. Embiid, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic from this last year. Of course those guys aren't overlooked. But get yourself into the meat of fantasy and find me some guys with good percentages, like actual positive impact percentage players in both statistical categories, and I would say odds are those guys are going to get underdrafted. Chris Paul was underdrafted two years running. Zach Levine, not underdrafted, oddly enough, because he fixed his field goal percent. That was not something we necessarily saw coming. Tobias Harris, underdrafted. Mikhail Bridges, underdrafted. Chris Middleton, underdrafted, although his field goal percent did slip ever so slightly this year. Gordon Hayward, usually underdrafted. That's pretty much it, guys. Once you get farther down the board, there just aren't guys who are good at both percentages. Maybe a couple, but it's It's narrow. Like, Miles Bridges was actually pretty good at both percentages this year, but he didn't take any free throws, so it didn't matter. Same story for Harrison Barnes. Uh, Got there kind of a different way. Slightly positive in both. Almost definitely overlooked this year, by me included, because, again, a guy who kind of came out of nowhere to fix his field goal percent. When you can see these things coming, when they're telegraphed a mile and a half away, like Middleton, like Bridges, like Tobias Harris... Those guys, the fantasy community just doesn't like those dudes. They're just not exciting enough. But then every once in a while, somebody takes notice of an Old Man Squad member. It's hard, like, it's not... It's not that hard to make the Old Man Squad before seeing Yahoo's public perception data. But if you want to be totally certain... You do need that. This last season, uh, there were almost no surprises on that front. Um, and Obi was another one that was sort of a, a later addition to that mix. You know, Michael Porter Jr. could actually be a, a two percentages guy this year, but I think he'll probably... I mean, he was a buzz guy going into it, so maybe not the greatest example. Still, the whole point is, as we go through all the teams and say, this guy's probably going to be an Old Man Squad member, there's like probably a 90% hit rate that what I say in May ends up being true. But you don't want to go into your actual list without even checking because one of those guys might end up being someone that another analyst or even Yahoo or whoever is like, yeah, we're high on this guy too. And then you got to pull him off the Old Man Squad list. We can't be married to names before you get all the data. Anyway, I didn't want to take a bunch of time away from the actual players on today's uh, sort of broken and then spliced podcast. But as I started to do this intro, it occurred to me that some of you might be listening to this and thinking, where do we get to this, the Dan Besper sleeper guys, which is basically the old man squad or at least the early ones. They are already here is the answer to that question. They're already on this board. Paul George, or Jason Tatum, is probably an old man squad kind of guy this year. He's a slightly depressed asset, for reasons we still don't fully understand, who is probably going to fall. And and it's not like with Tobias Harris, who was falling like two rounds farther than he should. Tatum's probably going to fall like maybe three or four slots farther than he should. But that's actually kind of important in the first round. So these guys are already on the board. The key that we still don't know is where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? Specifically, for these early guys, where are they going to go? And then more roundly, as we work our way through the board, where are those guys going to go? First 11 names that we went through last couple of days, we can pick up there. Uh, bucket one by himself, Nikola Jokic. Bucket two by himself carl anthony towns bucket sorry bucket two by himself with steph curry with me looking ahead bucket three by uh a a trio of players cat dame and james harden uh bucket four six player names Uh ah yeah we're starting to come along a little bit here uh is anthony davis jason tatum Not necessarily in this order, by the way. Remember, this is a bucket, so this is all guys that are pretty equal to one another, at least until we can use that public data. Kevin Durant, Paul George, Bradley Beal, and Jimmy Butler. Bucket five, and we started to talk about Joel Embiid on yesterday's show, and then I thought, you know what, this dude doesn't even belong in bucket four, because he, uh, even Kevin Durant, to some degree, you could make the argument, should be moved down a bucket because of the massive risk involved in a first-round pick that could just not play 25 or 30 games and we wouldn't even bat an eye if 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 you hear me say this dude played 57 games and your first reaction was yeah that's about right that dude shouldn't be a first round pick for your team if that's Anthony Davis for you by the way I have no uh, no problem at all with you bumping him down a bucket Joel Embiid is in that bucket for me Kevin Durant is mostly in that bucket for me, although I haven't fully put him there because he looked so damn good during the playoffs and the Olympics. I'm thinking, all right, well, if it's rest days only, maybe he really does get into the mid to high 60s this year. So I haven't completely obliterated his games total. Embiid is like a woolly mammoth out there, man. He's just too big and too fast, and his limbs can't support it. So if Joel Embiid is the front end of bucket five, what does the rest of bucket five look like? And this is where things start to get a little bit goofy, and where determining where buckets begin and where they end also becomes extraordinarily difficult. Uh, With Joel Embiid in bucket five, and again, this is somewhat tentative, so I don't want you guys, like, in early October going back and listening to our shows at the end of August, because we will firm things up a little bit. Uh, I have Vucevic also here in bucket five. I know he's going to take a hit this coming season And we shouldn't be at all surprised in that regard. But he was number 11 on a per-game basis this year, played in 70 out of 72 ballgames. He will take a hit on a per-game level. From a totals standpoint, I think he's going to try to be out there every damn game because Chicago now, much like Orlando, is a team that's going to need him on the floor every damn game if they want to make a push towards the Eastern Conference mid-pack instead of, like, upper-low-pack. So, not to say that he'll necessarily play 80 ball games. I don't know how many guys actually get to that threshold this but he's going to be trying. There is no pre-budgeted 8 to 10 rest games for Vooch. There are zero premeditated rest games for Vooch and then there will be whatever games he actually misses with legitimate injuries or covid protocols or whatever. If that turns out to be 75 That's still a net victory as he sits maybe around like top 20, top 22 on a per game basis. That bumps him towards the middle of the second round, maybe even upper second round on a totals basis. So he kind of barely sneaks into this one for me this year. He's a guy that's going to take a step back. But again, looking at him by totals and that durability thing, like he was a top five fantasy player this year. So I don't think I can drop him back much farther than that. Also in this bucket, Kyrie Irving is in bucket five for me, and I could almost make an argument that he should be in bucket four, but he's another dude that's just not going to play every ballgame. He missed 18 this year. I would imagine he misses probably about 18 again this coming season. Of course, that was enough to keep him inside the top seven this year. Kyrie was number three by averages on the season. That won't be the case with that team fully healthy this year. Um, Kyrie, on really, he's like one of my favorite players in this bucket five. And I think he probably gets drafted later than almost all these other guys in bucket five. So, like, he's a guy that I'm keeping him here because we're now getting to the point where if you have, like, pick 10 in the first round and uh, Kyrie's still on the board or Kyrie's on the board in the next one and some of the bigger names, I'm going to call it that bigger names, are gone, I'm thrilled to get him at that point. And the reason I'm not bumping him up into bucket four is is because I believe that, I believe, and we don't know for sure on this one yet, but I believe that public perception is probably going to have him getting drafted mid-second round, so he'll probably be there for you if you have, say, pick 15 or 16. That's the whole idea of where to target someone, not necessarily where you see them finishing. Because I think I have Kyrie, I think I have him at 13 here on my actual board, but he's probably still going to be out there at sixteen or even seventeen or more, and I'm I'm again I'm still comfortable taking him a few slots in front of that. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo actually for me is in bucket five. Not that in any universe he actually makes it this far, uh, but he was number fifteen by totals this season, and he's probably pretty damn close to that this coming year as well. So this is like a yeah, this is who he is kind of thing. If he magically fixes his free throw stroke, he goes up the board faster than anything you've ever seen before. He could go from number 15 to number one overnight. But guess what? It ain't happening. Dude takes seven free throws to ten free throws a game, and he's bad at the foul line. And we saw it in the playoffs. It's not going anywhere, anytime soon at least. If you want to be the guy that takes a risk on Giannis at, like, five, you're a braver man or woman than I. But anyway, he's in bucket five for me. There's no universe where he's still available at this point, but that's where i drop him. And now we start to get to the, okay, well, who actually belongs in this same bucket? I have some of the, some of the upcoming names on our list at this point are Chris Paul, Luka Doncic, Bam Adebayo, Rudy Gobert, LeBron James. I could make an argument that any or even all five of those guys could be in bucket five. But I don't think I'm going to put them there. And the reason why is that, let's take Chris Paul as an example. He was number 18 on a per-game basis last year. And after getting off to a little bit of a slow start, he was basically uh, right around that rough area. Like, he was basically number 15 for the last three months of this season. And that's probably what he does when he's healthy this year. But I also think that this is the season where Phoenix starts to give him little breaks. Like there's no real reason to play Chris Paul in 70 out of 72 games last year or for this year to be 80 out of 82 games. He should be skipping some back-to-backs. He should be getting those rest days so that playoff time is just an easier load. Remember this dude went to the finals So I actually have Chris Paul likely in Bucket 6 for this one, which is fine because he's probably still going to be on the board at Bucket 6. But for those of you, like, if you've been listening to this podcast the last two seasons, we had Chris Paul very much as, like, more of a Bucket 4 kind of guy who we only moved down the board because of public perception. This time we're moving him down the board because I just don't think he's going to be as fantasy useful this year. He may still be a value if he's getting drafted at 30 if he's top 15 per game, but he misses 15 games this year, he still beats that 30 mark, but he's probably not going to be number 5 or 6 or 7 or whatever this season turned out to be because of the durability element. Luka Doncic, does he belong in bucket 5? I think the answer there is also a pretty firm no. I like I actually would rather have Chris Paul over Luka in a 9-category league. Doncic was number 37 this last year on a per-game basis. His job stays about the same. His free throw stroke continues to stink. He doesn't do a whole lot defensively. His turnovers are stratospheric. Now, if you're punting turnovers, you've created a different monster. That's not what we're doing here on this show. This is traditional nine-cat rankings and buckets therein. And Luka, even with some durability this last year, he's still barely squeezed into the second round. Like, you could even make an argument to put him in bucket seven, but I'm not going to. And honestly, it doesn't matter because he's not getting to you at bucket six anyway. So as I go through this now, I've sort of talked myself into these guys belonging in the next bucket down. The only, the two names, three names remaining that I listed just a minute ago, Bam Adebayo, Rudy Gobert, and LeBron James, those to me are the only guys that could still Make an argument to be in bucket five and let's go through them one by one and see if that actually makes any sense at all. The first name on our list out of those players is Bam Adebayo, largely because we can very easily look back at what he accomplished last season, which was a top 19 per game year where he missed just eight ball games despite coming off the ridiculously deep bubble playoff run and an injury during the bubble playoff run. (laughs) Remember, this is a guy who actually got hurt during that stretch. And this year, he was as good as he could have ever been. 19 points, 9 boards, 5.5 assists, 1.2 steals a block, 57% from the field, 80% at the free throw line. That was a number that was uh, a big jump forward. Although, admittedly, he was at like 84% for a while, and then it kind of petered out down the stretch. Still, this is a guy who is the poster boy. For durability, you have to drag him off the floor, whether it's injury or COVID protocol. So if you're drafting Adebayo, know that he's gunning for 82 games. This is part of his DNA. It's just the way he was built. If he plays fewer than 75 games this coming season, I'll actually be kind of blown away and would almost have to be COVID related or a catastrophic injury because the other stuff just seemingly doesn't impact him. I don't know how. It just it just doesn't, at least this early on in his career. Speaking all of this stuff out loud, Adebayo at number 19 per game and 12 by totals, I think he does actually deserve to be in bucket five because he now sort of makes the case to say, hey, if I was if someone came to me in nine cat and was like, would you rather have uh, Vooch or Adebayo this year? The answer to, for me is Adebayo this season, where last year was probably Vooch. Some of that is, I mean, most of that is because Vuce is going to be taking a hit this year. And then, you know, would you rather have bio or Chris Paul? It's bio for me. bio or Luca in 9-cat? It's actually still BAM, believe it or not. Because I do think that here with your second round pick, and now we're getting towards the middle, the back end of the second round, sort of, I guess mid-second round, you're, you want your guy playing as close to 82 games as humanly possible. It's just... Like, this is where totals really matter in head, in Roto as well. But definitely in head-to-head. I mean, like, the argument against totals in head-to-head is, is complete insanity. Bam was number 12 this year. And Rudy Gobert, the other player I was just talking about, he was number 7 this season. Rudy was number 21 on a per-game basis. Bam was number 19. Rudy played in 71 out of 72 ballgames. I think this coming year... You actually probably see Bam play more games than Rudy, but it might be relatively close. The argument on the Gobert side is that you pretty much take care of blocked shots with your second-round pick, though I could also argue that his blocks fluctuate a little bit more than anything that Bam does on a game-to-game basis. So what if Rudy came out and had like a 2.1 block per game season? That knocks him down the board pretty quickly. So for me, Gobert despite finishing higher than Bam this last year, falls into bucket six, as does LeBron James, the last player on the list of guys that I was just talking about. LeBron's going to be someone who doesn't fall to you. You won't have to worry about it. He was number 34 last season and only played in 45 out of 72 ball games. but his job is not getting bigger. He is getting older. The Lakers brought in Russell Westbrook to handle a whole bunch of ball-handling duties. LeBron still can't shoot free throws somehow, despite being maybe the best player ever. I don't know how this is the thing that's, that's still just... It, it, like, it must drive him completely insane to be so good at every single thing he does. He's been able to stretch his game to the three-point line and still isn't good at foul shooting. So that's not fixing itself. And then, you know, it's all just down to like 25-8-8 and is great, but bad free throw shooting, high turnovers and the steals and blocks numbers that are sort of on the decline here as he tries to kind of hold energy for playoff time, uh, he's he's just not getting better at this point. Like the, We're seeing the beginning of, fantasy-wise at least, the drop-off for LeBron James, even if he's still an unbelievable tank, android human being, on the, the real-life basketball court and somehow is going to be underrated coming into this season. Mind-boggling stuff there. Fantasy-wise, he's not with Embiid, Adebayo, Onedecumpo, Kyrie, Vooch even, who certainly in those bucket 5 guys, Vooch is the maybe I would argue the closest to moving into bucket 6. And you know what? I'm just going to do that right now, kind of for posterity's sake. We're going to we're going to move Vooch into bucket 6. And so bucket 5 now actually shrinks down to only four players. Bucket 5 and bucket 6 are nine players combined but bucket 4 is bigger than both of them and this is why the bucket thing is so weird and so fun and so useful it's really simple to now create these these cut points that uh that allow us to when we're drafting players like we now know exactly not the exact order, but like this translates so well to whatever league you might be playing in. It's just, I, I, I adore it. I really do. Is there a massive difference between Bam Adebayo and Chris Paul? I mean, not really, not really. And then again, we'll come back to this stuff later once we get the public perception data, and we can make our tweaks if Chris Paul is going at. Pick 30. Could we potentially bump him down to Bucket 7 just to get away with it? Uh, if Bam Adebayo going to be going later for any stretch? Jimmy Butler, if we're turning the clock back into Bucket 4. Did I read the first 11? I may have skipped that. No, I did. We did that. Uh, bucket 4 was Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Paul George, Bradley Beal, and Jimmy Butler. I think I may have forgotten to, to read that one earlier on this show. I, that's what happens when you try to splice some stuff together. Um. And, you know, Rudy Gobert, if he's going to get drafted later at all, he could get shifted down into bucket seven. Here's the important thing, though. We do need to keep track of how many players we are into this thing. We are now 20 players deep. Five, five, four, six. yeah, make sure I got my my bucket size right. So we're now 20 players deep. We are not yet at the end of the second round, but this should start to allow you guys to visualize the benefits of the bucket method, especially once we start to work the public perception stuff into the mix. Like, if we find out Chris Paul is getting drafted at 30, and right now we have him in a bucket of five players that, at least based on our preliminary work here, uh, these guys are... 11, 15, like he's in the group between 16 and 20, here comes the game theory stuff. Let's say you have pick, oh gosh, let's say you have pick 18, which is right smack in the middle of round two. That would also mean that six additional picks in uh, round two are set to take place after you, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 six picks in that one and then uh six picks coming back the other way five six seven eight nine ten that gives you i guess pick 31 if i'm doing my math right on that one if chris paul is going around pick 30 we have him here in bucket six you could very easily drop him back to bucket seven just based on the public analysis so actually let's pause the player by player part to look at a hypothetical example that I think is really going to nicely illustrate why this method is so useful. If we find out that Chris Paul's ADP is 30 this year, which, by the way, is still like 6 to 10 slots higher than it was this last season, so it's moving in the right direction in that capacity, but we have him finishing in the middle of the second round, he's a value for us at 30. He's not really a value for us if you have to end up taking him at, 19 which is why having him in bucket six right now is a pretty good indicator that maybe we're wiping out some of his value my hope is that as we find out his adp we can bump him down one or even two buckets because think of it this way and if you need to write this down on a paper while we're talking about it please be my guest it might be easier to visualize it because i'm looking at an excel spreadsheet so that makes it a little bit simpler for me Right now, if we have pick 18, the players I'm looking at on my board are Chris Paul, Luka Doncic, Rudy Gobert, LeBron James, Nikola Vucevic. And honestly, LeBron probably shouldn't even be in that group. He should probably be one more bucket down just from actual uh, playing analysis. The more I think about it, he, he doesn't belong in that group anyway. The only guy in that group that's probably going to get drafted... In that window is Vooch. I think he probably goes in the 16 to 24 range. I don't think he slips into the third round this year, but maybe he does anyway. I don't know. Like you might see, because I got some guys farther down my board, like Trey Young, who's probably going to have already happened at this point. Things that sort of push everybody else's name down the board by a pick each time that they happen if you now, if you want to try to end up with Chris Paul and one of these other guys in bucket six, you're not going to probably be taking Chris Paul here. Which is why then we sort of have to artificially move him into a lower bucket. Even though on our actual draft board, we have him finishing at number 16, we can't put him as the guy we draft at 16 you got to put him somewhere else. We want to try to get someone in this range that is actually getting drafted around this range. So let's assume, for argument's sake, that Maluka's not going to make it this far. Who the hell's actually going to get drafted? Like, Adebayo's probably going to go in this neighborhood, but we've already got him off the board. Kyrie might be going in this neighborhood. I really have no idea who's going to get drafted around 19 this year. This is always when things get a little bit murky. Uh, Let's say, just for argument's sake, that LeBron is going to get drafted at, like, 19 this year. That's possible. That might be where he ends up. I don't really want him on my fantasy team. Um, But let's, again, for this hypothetical example, like, again, we might move LeBron down the board because we just don't really want him, and I think I can adjust his final rank lower than where I've got it here at first pass. But, again, uh, this is a hypothetical, so just walk with me. Close your eyes and picture it. If LeBron has an ADP of 19 and we have pick 18 and Chris Paul has an ADP of 30 and we have him at 16, we have two choices here, really, because like, let's say Luka's off the board and uh, let's say Vooch already got drafted and then Rudy Gobert isn't drafted yet, but you know we've we've already moved him to a lower bucket because he, we found out his adp is much lower also even though by the way i have, I have gobert finishing ahead of lebron james this year So, but well, we have to we have to use lebron for this example because to me he's the only guy of this group that has that might end up with an adp in this group in this area on the real draft day so we have to use this name just for this hypothetical example this is now what we've been talking about earlier this week of maximizing the profit under the curve If we take Chris Paul at pick 18, nobody else from bucket 6 is going to be on the board when it gets back to us at pick 31. We will be pulling from bucket 7 or bucket 8 by that point, which, again, I don't know who that's going to be. Let's say that that's like DeAndre Ayton or Chris Middleton or something like that, which is fine getting Chris Paul in the second round, getting Middleton in the third round, that's fine, but from our rank board, the best profit margin here, in this hypothetical example again, would be to somehow figure out a way to end up with both LeBron James and Chris Paul. And the only way that that works is if you actually take the lower-ranked player first because his ADP is earlier buckets once we find out the adp on these guys if i move chris paul into bucket seven that allows us to say okay hypothetically again if we still had lebron james in bucket six that's the direction you go we no longer have chris paul as a discussion point there because we are creating value by moving him to a different bucket based on his adp this is how you maximize your profit this is is how you end up with the most, the greatest number of high-value fantasy targets. I love this part of the game. I absolutely adore this part of the damn fantasy game because this is where we can outthink everyone else. The hardest workers, again, work smarter, not harder. The hardest workers in fantasy sometimes forget about this big key element. It's why uh, two off-seasons ago, I spent probably a whole week just talking about why I love ADP. ADP is the single most important stat, number, element, whatever you want to call it, in fantasy drafts. Because it does, for better or worse, steer the rest of your draft. It is this unseen, it's the invisible hand of fantasy drafts that every time somebody goes off the beaten path, ADP and pre-ranks just slowly and softly push the fantasy cart right back up on the tracks. We're all free thinkers in fantasy. We do our damn best to use our brains and use our own analysis. But you know what? At the end of the day... We can't freaking help ourselves. We can't help ourselves. Someone in that damn draft is going to go by the pre-ranks. Probably six to ten teams will go heavily off the pre-ranks. So then when we make our buckets, we have to assume that most of the other people are operating from a list we can already see. So we can use that to raise our profit margin. And that's all we want to do. We want to profit on draft day. We want our early guys to not be negatives. Because you're very rarely going to see fat profit in your first couple draft picks. You just want to avoid the big number under the curve, below zero. Sorry, not under the curve, because everything is under the curve. But we want our, our, our area under the curve to be on the positive side of the Y-axis. And the early round picks, those are the guys that can give you the big negative Y. The late round picks, those are the guys, middle round picks even, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, those are the guys that can actually give you some nice profit above the curve. If you take a negative there, it won't break you because those guys were because you're comparing it to the average performance of that of a player drafted at that draft slot. That's how we're doing this area under the curve. Uh, The or between the curves might even be a better way to describe it. The the average performance of that draft slot is one curve. And then your own curve is where your draft picks finish at the end of the year. And you want yours to be hanging out above the other one. Or at least even with it. i draw all this crap in MS Paint so you guys can see what I'm visualizing in my head. I know a lot of you math nerds out there are like, yes, get on with it, Dan. We get it. But for everybody else, it's probably a little bit tough to picture what I'm talking about. Basically, if you, if you forget the curve model and just think of it by a point-by-point point thing, your first pick has an intensely high likelihood of being a negative value pick. Because, like, if you have the fifth pick, there's only four ways you can beat that expected final value. And there's hundreds of ways you could lose to it by some number of player value points. So, at the very beginning, you want your curve actually to match the average player performance at that mark. And then you want your curve to gradually separate from it, going up as the average performance line kind of turns and levels off. It'll be sort of like a horizontal asymptote and even begins to come slightly below the uh, midpoint. So it's like a big spike at the beginning and then comes down, dips below zero, and then levels off. And so your job after that very beginning is you want to ride the big spike first two, three rounds, and then you want to try to stay above zero or above the curve at least And then later on, you want to stay above zero. And that's enough for today. We're going to be done after the first 20. We'll probably start moving through the buckets a little bit faster after this one, but there's just so many ideas banging around in my head, and I need to speak them to you guys, and you're stuck with it. Dry stuff sometimes, but I hope this is helpful for all of you. This is Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Have a wonderful Thursday, everybody. Please do, by the way, hit me up if you're interested in starting a podcast with us here at Ball. I had a couple of you reach out after my clarion call earlier this week. Uh, really excited to talk to you guys. Again, it's at Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Shoot me a line. We'll talk it through. I can work with you. I would be your, I guess, direct superior in uh, in that regard it would be a lot of fun could be sports could be something else let's chat uh for now have a wonderful day back at you tomorrow we'll pick up with uh bucket crap what were we on here bucket seven pick 21 not really though who cares about the number bucket seven when we come back tomorrow here on friday's edition have a great day everyone we'll talk to you then